Happy New Year. Welcome to the weirdest game of the year show that you'll find anywhere on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I have a document here which has a selection of games played and maybe potentially chosen. There hasn't been any designation to this from the three of us. Uh, I think we should maybe each go through and talk about the games that are in consideration for us each. Potentially, we each give our own what was our game of the year, and then we'll see if at the end of the episode it is at all possible for us to come to some kind of consensus. Is that fair? That sounds fair, and in typical remaster fashion, uh, (laughs) so unlike other video game podcasts that have scores and charts and you know, brackets and whatnot. We're just... uh, And, well, I mean, also, I'm sure the games mentioned could be very unlike a lot of other mm, shows, too. mm, mm -hmm. That, you know, when I was thinking about my game of the year, I I did realize that we are so unlike other game shows in that regard. Mm -hmm. And that we we don't care about convention at all. We're We're quite proud of going our own way. I think that's why we do it. I, th- yeah. I know that's why I'm here. Right? <laughs> this is we play games. I think atypically, but let's find out how atypically. Federico, why don't you go, why don't you start? Let's see if All right. see All how right. weird yeah. it might be. So I thought I would start with games that I am still playing on and off. I'm still working through this backlog. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, I I do have a game of the year. I think we can all see what's coming. But first, I want to talk about a bunch of other games okay. that I've also been playing in 2022 and that I feel like deserve a mention. So I want to I wanna mention the two Pokemon games. So Legends Arceus and Scarlet and Violet. Um I played more Legends Arceus than Scarlet, mostly because Scarlet came out and I was still doing a lot of work around the house, just being busy with, you know, homeowner stuff. And so I'm I'm like still 15 or so hours into Scarlet. And I'm actually... Yeah, I'm actually glad that I haven't put more time into it because I saw that there's a big 1.2 patch coming out in just a few weeks. There's a what now? (laughs) How have I missed this? I don't know. Huh. Uh, have you been on well you're not on Twitter anymore and you're not on Mastodon, so you don't see things. I'm sorry. I I guess I'm not paying enough attention to my gaming RSS feeds. I Mm. need to do a better job on that. Or and also none of the video game podcasts that I listen to have mentioned this. Huh, well, I think it's relatively fresh news, and okay. I'm pretty sure that Nintendo said this. So they did this weird thing where they published like this video to celebrate a thousand Pokemon. So here's the context that you need to know. When a new Pokemon game comes out and there's new Pokemon in it, Nintendo doesn't immediately release the official artwork for those Pokemon because they want to prevent spoilers, right? Um, so the official like artwork for the new Pokemon, like the evolution of the starters, right? And the mythicals and all the uh, other evolutions, the official artwork from the Pokemon company was not released in November. It was released like five days ago. And when they did this, they did so by also putting out a video on a Japanese TV channel to celebrate. And I think there's an English version now too of this video to celebrate a thousand Pokemon because uh, Golden Go, one of the new Pokemon in, in Scarlet and Violet, is Pokemon number 1000. 
in the National Pokédex. So they did this video and they put out the official artwork. Um, if you've been following uh, Cerebi on Twitter or on Mastodon, you may have seen a huge spam of tweets and posts with Cerebi just tweeting out all the artwork that was being released. Uh, but in you know, alongside the artwork and the video, Nintendo also said that version 1.2 of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet mm. with a lot of bug fixes and some new functionality is coming out in February. Hmm. Um, which makes me glad that I waited. Uh, not that it was intentional. It wasn't intentional on my part. And you know how much I was looking forward to this game. Um, but that gives me time to finish a bunch of things in my backlog. And in February, I'm really going to sink my teeth into it. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get even better performance and maybe some new quality of life enhancements. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not hope too hard. Yeah, but. I know, but still, you know, <laughs> you new, version, a hope, a new version must be better somehow. Can't uh, be worse. Anyways, can be worse, I mm -hmm. think. Anyway, I really enjoyed uh, the open world approach, first pioneered by Legends Arceus, and then, of course, taken to the extreme by Scarlet and Violet. I think it, this is the kind of formula for Pokemon games that I was really looking forward to have eventually, like since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine just mm -hmm. having a huge map and you can just travel around and, and see Pokemon in the overworld, and you can approach them and you can do whatever you want. And both of these games, but Scarlet and Violet more so than Legends Arceus, they really gave me what I've always dreamt, dreamt of having as a kid, like an open world RPG, a main, a main series Pokemon game built like that. Um, and like I said, I've played like 45 hours of Legends Arceus and 15 or so of Scarlet. I'm sure Mike has played more than me this time around, uh, but I, I will catch up soon enough. I want to mention Stray. Uh, this is just an excellent indie game that came out a few months ago. It's about, I mean, it's, it's such a lovely game. Uh, you are a cat. <laughs> you literally play as a cat and you explore this sort of dystopian uh, futuristic city where everybody's dead, apparently, and you can only interact with these androids that somehow are still sort of lurking around and you need to uncover the sort of the mysteries of what happened in this city mm. um, while solving puzzles as a cat. And I, I don't know, I think Stray is such a lovely gem. Uh, uh, you know, the atmosphere, the graphics, you know, being an indie game, they really do it for me. I think they did a really excellent job capturing the atmosphere of playing as an animal, exploring this uh, relatively big city. Um, the neon lights, uh, the, the general vibe, and of course the animations and the many details of playing as a cat, you know, that, um, you know, you can see those sort of limitations when it comes to puzzle solving because you don't have hands you have paws and you are a cat uh, i've been playing mostly on p i started the game on, on playstation but i picked it up again i started the game again on pc uh, because i wanted to play it on steam deck uh, story of my life you know play as many things as possible on the steam deck speaking of the steam deck vampire survivors um i think yes. this one i I I would propose that we have a conversation about considering at least Vampire Survivors as a game of the year material, if only because I think this game is so genius in how this is a survival game in which you don't press any buttons, you just need to move the joystick. And I think it's such a clever, you know, the, the, by uh, being able to uncover this 
deep mechanic that lies within the game, the different techniques, the different styles that you can play uh, by only using a single stick without pressing any buttons. And despite that, the level of customization and the level of freedom that you have in terms of choosing the kind of upgrades that you want to have for your character to survive the horde of zombies and vampires coming your way, I think it's so clever. Um, the graphics, initially it looks like one of those like, oh, this is an indie game made in Game Maker or something. But they, they are, you know, functional to the game, especially when, you know, you have a 30-minute limit to play Vampire Survivors on each session. And by the end of a session, you may have like a thousand vampires and a thousand zombies approaching you. Any more complex graphics, I think, wouldn't have made the game as enjoyable to play on Steam Deck as it is right now. Of course, you can play on a bigger screen if you want to. Now the game is also on iOS, I think. Uh, but I think this is the Steam Deck showcase game for last year, for sure. All of these games, they are available on PlayStation, but I've been playing them on PC. This is a very PC-heavy list, uh, with the exception of Pokemon, I guess, now that I'm looking at it. Um, I started this one uh, just a few days ago, and I'm obsessed with the story, with the mechanics, uh, Tactics Ogre Reborn. This is a remake of a Super Nintendo game uh, made by um, Matsuno-san, who later would go on and work on Final Fantasy Tactics. So this Tactics Ogre, uh, which is, you know, at the time it came out on Super Nintendo something like 30 years ago, it was part of the Ogre Battle Saga, uh, which in many ways, both graphically speaking and from a gameplay perspective, it is considered sort of the, the grandfather of Final Fantasy Tactics in how you have this isometric point of view, this 2D style, and you can unlock different character classes, and it's like playing a game of chess, but you control characters in a role-playing game and you can choose different classes and you can choose different weapons and you have fine-grained control over stats and abilities and skills and all of that. This remake, uh, in addition to having better loading times, um, it's got a ton of quality of life enhancements compared to the version that came out when I was a kid in high school on PSP, which I also played, called Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together. That was, an, uh, uh, th that was the first remake of, of Tactics Ogre. This is the second remake, Reborn, being played on Steam Deck. It's also very enjoyable on a big television screen where you can see the huge map for each stage in front of you. And I want to call out a couple of things here. In addition to all the different mechanics, like the menus are faster, uh, there's a new voice acting, which is not so terrible. I would have expected worse. It's actually quite decent. The story... I mean, the story in this game and, and the writing, just it, it touches upon themes like politics and, and free will and what it means to sacrifice uh, people or an ideal for the greater good of, of a nation, for example. Those are really mature topics that I didn't necessarily appreciate at the time. I never played the Super Nintendo original, but I played the PSP remake and I was too young to like really understand the impact of some of some themes in this game, which is something that I, that it's really working out well for me now as I'm, you know, 34. And this is that kind of thing has made me think that like at some point I might want to go back and play Metal Gear. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, like, I played Metal Gear Solid ago. 2 and loved that game, and I did not understand what yep. was going on at all. Like, not at all. Although maybe it's never really that easy to understand what's going on in Metal Gear. I feel like I might maybe. be able to have a bit of a better grasp on it now. Yeah, I think that's maybe part of the appeal of the series. Um, but yeah, this one uh, I'm really appreciating now. P- really, absolutely perfect for the Steam Deck. Although you can also play on Nintendo Switch if you want to. And I'm guessing the game looks great on the Switch OLED, given the colorful graphic style. Um, another remake... Uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. What's the official name for Crisis Core? It's not Reborn. What is it? Reunion. Uh, so this is another remake of a role-playing game that came out on PSP. The original launched on PSP, and it was the prequel to Final Fantasy VII, where you play as Zack, another member of the soldier, uh, that's a sort of a, a mercenary-like unit in the world of Final Fantasy VII. And it's an action RPG. So unlike Final Fantasy VII, it's not turn-based. It's you have free movement when you're you know fighting against enemies. And this is a, a, a remake with an improved graphical style. You can play in 4K, new textures, reorchestrated music, I want to say, and of course new menus and the, the usual quality of life enhancements. Unlike Final Fantasy VII Remake, this is not a different retelling of the original story. This is the original story from Crisis Core. They only updated the visuals and the audio and the control scheme of the game. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake absolutely uh, revolutionized the story of, of the original Final Fantasy VII for PlayStation 1. This is a faithful remaster of the original game. And it's really, again, enjoyable on Steam Deck, even though I've also been playing on my gaming PC and it looks really lovely on on a, on a big 4K TV with my uh, 3080 Ti. I can push it to uh, like 100 frames per second. It looks really lovely because it's an action game. And the more frames you get, the smoother it looks and it's super fun. Uh, if you are a Final Fantasy VII nerd, as I am, this, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've been playing this one too. Last two, and these are the games that I played the most in 2022, uh, starting with Cyberpunk 2077. I, I think it's been so f- so inspiring in many ways to see the the renaissance that Cyberpunk has been living in, in 2022. Uh, Project Red, um, they're called Project Red, right? Pro- CD, Proje- Project, CD, CD, CD Project, CD Project Red, Red. CD Project Red. They've been really putting in the work in terms of they pulled, I guess, as as we say in the industry now, they pulled a No Man's Sky with this one, meaning. They didn't. I'm sorry, Shahid, but it's it's become an expression. I just I. But it's I gotta, it is an expression of love. Like it is actually yes, it a is positive thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There is a it, way in which pulling a no man's sky could have had a much worse connotation than what it true. actually has now. Very true. Very true. They put in the work. But they won and, community awards this year. Who would yeah, have yes. thought that would be possible? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I take it as a compliment, massive compliment. I mean, the thing is, if you look at the long game. And pretty much every huge endeavor is a long game nowadays. You've got a long time to turn things around if that's what you choose to do. Yep. And the example of the past has been people decide, oh, no, we're not going to turn this around, forget it. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of the two games you've just mentioned is that not only was there scope and scale 
as intended, massive and inspirational. But when it didn't quite match up to what people had built up in their minds, these teams didn't abandon the players. They yeah. came back and massively over-delivered. So, uh, yeah, I don't take it as an insult. I take it as a massive compliment and uh, as a template for how other developers could approach such a situation in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think it's been so inspiring to see just, you know, they put their heads down and, and they got back to work and update after update. They improved the game a ton compared to, you know, the, the poor state it was in when it, when it first came out like three years ago or something, two and a half years ago. Uh, and I'm sure that, of course, having the, the Cyber Runners uh, anime on Netflix also helped in terms of picking up momentum again. But still... In playing Cyberpunk on my PC, I discovered a really good game with a really fascinating story. It's got its ups and downs in terms of, and I mean, I think Mike and I, we talked about this before. There's some side quests and, you know, um, uh, some content that made me go like, I don't know, was this really necessary? But overall, on balance, um, it's got its flaws. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a perfect video game. Um like many other open world games that came out this year, and I'm looking at God of War Ragnarok, I'm looking at Horizon Forbidden West, uh, there's the, you know, there's always that feeling of, yeah, maybe this game could have been a bit shorter. Maybe there's too much video game in this video game. You know, like all the side quests and all the menus and all the dialogue. Like it's a lot of video game in a single video game. This is a common problem, uh, and, and it's part of a bigger issue, I think. But um, still, the core game, the, core, the, the story and the core mechanics, extremely enjoyable. I was captivated by the story of humans modifying themselves with AI and other types of enhancements in the future. And I'm typically not a huge fan of first-person uh, person shooter games, but I think what Cyberpunk does well, beyond the atmosphere which is excellent. I love Night City. Um, and on a gaming PC with good specs, it looks amazing. And beyond the story, just it's fun to play and you can choose different play styles and you can choose different strategies when, you, when you're facing a mission. You can choose, do I want to tackle all enemies head on and just shoot with two guns in my hands? Or do I want to use a katana? Or do I want to use a more like a stealth approach? Do I want to hack into the computer system of this building and distract the enemies that way? I appreciate it when a game gives me those options instead of just being, yeah, you play in first person, shoot some guys and win the mission. Like, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was more different than I was expecting in a really good way. And of course, there's Keanu Reeves in it. So that also helps. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Cyberpunk, which I played mostly on my TV with my gaming PC because it looks better. It's totally playable on Steam Deck. I think Mike has been mostly playing on Steam Deck. 100%. But yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, but it looks lovely on my big OLED TV. I would just want to say on Cyberpunk, I might come back to Cyberpunk a little later on, spoilers. Mm. But I just because you said it and I want I don't know if I would remember to say it otherwise. I don't think it can be overstated the benefit to that game that the Keanu Reeves made on that game. Like, yeah. his performance in that video game is so good and it does so much for the story that I don't know how well uh, a job anyone else could have done with that. Like, he was the perfect casting. 
and they help write that character and the dialogue like just for him like it is just a perfect match and i think that maybe with somebody without the skills of Keanu Reeves and you don't need to go to a Hollywood actor there are tons of great performances in that game like I also would say the 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 actress who played Pam was also brilliant um but some of the some of the acting in that game really sold it like in a way that the protagonist that I played is the V with um I don't know how they label it but like the female voice yeah not for, not a great performance I I didn't I didn't particularly like that but a lot of the the people around it, like I thought, were, were really really excellent. Keanu Reeves, like just topping the bill. So yeah, yeah. And yeah, lastly, uh, I think we all saw this coming. Um, my personal game of the year, Elden Ring. Um, I went into twenty twenty two with a goal. I said to myself, I never played from software games before. I never played a single Dark Souls. I want to, you know, take it upon myself to play Elden Ring and, you know, get good at Elden Ring, as they say. <laughs> um, and I think I got pretty good. I, 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 I absolutely love this game. I played 70 hours of Elden Ring so far, finished the main story, okay. including the final story boss. And it was an experience in in ways that that I did not anticipate. The thing about Elden Ring is, it's been months since I since I you know booted up the game. But the thing is, now that I'm finally starting to be more free of initial homeowner responsibilities and just things to buy and things to fix and things to finish, I'm I'm still thinking about this game. Like it's, I'm, I'm still thinking about the things I haven't done, the things I haven't seen. It's a massive video game. I think we've seen, you know, since 2017, a lot of games try and emulate or at least capture part of the spirit of Breath of the Wild. And I think Elden Ring is the only one of, of Breath of the Wild's students that in, in some ways, I think exceeded the master, the teacher. Um, the atmosphere and 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 the the detail of of every single enemy and the way the the lore of the game is never thrown in your face but very subtly revealed to you. The music, the just the overall style is excellent, but really, and we talked about this before. The fairness, the cold, sincere, honest fairness of this game. It's, it's a hard game. It's a difficult game, but it's not difficult for the sake of being difficult. And we did an entire episode about this, I think. It's, it's what it is. And the satisfaction that I felt in beating Elden Ring and seeing, you know, I think I'm actually pretty good at this game now. It was unlike anything else I've played in my life before. Um, a game that I played on my desktop PC, that I played a ton on the Steam Deck. And the thing I appreciated about it is just the freedom. Like the, the same feeling of Breath of the Wild. Seeing this huge map, pro I think it's actually bigger than Breath of the Wild, being yeah. progressively revealed to you 
all the th- I'm still thinking about all the things I haven't done. It's it's the kind of video game that made me create a note, like a document in my note-taking app to write down all the things I wanted to do. Like the last time I did this was for Breath of the Wild and Pokemon Sword. Yeah, it's, I want to get back to Elden Ring. Uh, there's a big update DLC coming out in 2023 that'll be the perfect opportunity for me to, I think what I'm going to do is respec my character. Uh, you, you know, this is one of the things you can do. Uh, you know, you can continue playing, but change your character from one class to another. I think I'm going to do that. And uh, yeah, get back into Elden Ring, especially if there's a DLC coming out. Um, yeah, I'd, this is, if I'm if I got to pick like, think about 2022 and pick a video game, that's for me, that's Elden Ring. All right, Shahid, you're up. I don't have a huge list, and I'm sure that's of absolutely no surprise to anyone. But I did play more games in 2022 than I did the previous year, even though we were deep in the heart of the pandemic in 2021. We kind of still are, let's face it. (laughs) It's just changed a little. The edges have changed. I mean, I was at the hospital today for an appointment, and people were still wearing masks and some had them dropped, you yeah. know. And like that that situation is still around and people are not sure about their behavior. Anyway, the point being, I should have played a lot more games in 2021 than I actually did, but that's fine. Last year, I did end up playing a lot more games just as the world started to emerge from the pandemic. And none of them should be a surprise to anyone. Vampire Survivors, however, did surprise me massively. And the reason for it is I picked it up because it was on uh, early access and it was about two pounds, ridiculously cheap, and it was getting overwhelmingly positive ratings. I picked it up very early before most people knew anything about it. And that doesn't happen often with me. So it was really gratifying for me as an old guy to see so many cool people pick the game up long after I did as the only um claim to fame i'm ever going to have about playing games ever uh and in the meantime well i don't know about tastemaker (laughs) i I don't think i've ever been that my friend but thank you i'll take it (laughs) but but yeah i didn't talk too much about it but um i felt i felt good that i enjoyed this game the funny thing is, to begin with, I thought I'd made a mistake, and not an expensive mistake. I played a couple of games, and I thought, oh dear, this is really awful, you know, because I died very quickly, and there was absolutely no agency that I could see. There was no upgrade path that I could see, and I was just, you know, going left, right, and thinking, oh, well, I, I can't attack upwards, you know, because you start off with very minimal set of equipment, of course, very minimal. And there's almost nothing you can do. And it seems like, oh, hold on a minute, they're just being lazy. And of course, that was me being lazy, incredibly lazy. But for some reason, I came back to it about a week later and upgraded for the first time. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And as play continued, I started to get more and more upgrades, more and more items, more and more choices to make. And the most rich upgrade path imaginable. Because what this game does is genius. It's an incremental game, aka idle clicker, except there's no clicking, as Federico uh, put it. Absolutely no clicking at all. There's just movement. So it takes 
the mechanics of idle games or incremental games and enriches them with this movement. So the only agency you have in this idle clicker is movement. But that's enough. The weird thing is that's enough. And through that, indirectly, you can affect the path that you take through the game. And it's a beautiful feeling because you want to come back and do it again and again and again, exploring every single possible option and path. And before long, you've been playing it for two or three hours, and each of those games is like five, ten minutes. And eventually you're hitting the limit and you're thinking, oh, hold on a minute, what happened? Why, why, did, I, why did I quit out of the game? I didn't do that. And of course, you've hit the limit of the game. And suddenly it's 3 a.m. and you're not a games player. You're an old guy who's got loads of jobs to do, loads of gigs. And you find yourself addicted, addicted to one of the best indie games ever made. A game so cool, so ingenious, so inexpensive that it was shamelessly ripped off by everyone and their uncle within months. I mean, what was that game, Brotato? I mean, the, the, the best claim to game, uh, claim to game, claim to fame that game had <laughs> was that it was done in the Godot engine. That's what intrigued me about it. It's beautifully made, you know, smooth and everything. But if you want to go back to 1984, my friends, it reminds me of when Technician Ted, uh, a game on the spectrum, which none of you remember, I know, because um, <laughs> you weren't alive, right? So there was this game, Jet Set Willy. Everyone knows about Jet Set Willy, even those who weren't born at the time. And it was a, it was a game changer. It created a brand new way of playing games. It was an open-ended platform puzzle game. Technician Ted came along, right? It beautifully executed, really smooth, excellent collision detection, fixed all those little things that Jet Set really didn't quite get right. Did it have the impact that Jet Set Willy did? Of course not. And we could give you a million examples from 1984 through to the current day. And that's what happened with Vampire Survivors. Such a good game that it's created a new... I wouldn't call it a genre. I would call it a mashup, a mashup genre. But the way it took Idol into the next phase, I think, was just absolutely ingenious. The other great mechanical insight that this has um, is to introduce the idea of dying. Because in many Idol games, you just carry on and on and on. You don't have to stop. There's no end condition, right? But this introduces end condition. You do have to survive. You do have the agency. How you uh, ensure your survival is what makes this game so fun. So yeah, I was massively surprised by this. I played this endlessly and it took up way too much time. And yes, I played it on the Steam Deck exclusively. Didn't play it on anything else at all. So yes, Vampire Survivors. And of course, the other two games you won't be surprised to hear were on PS5. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 was something I played a fair amount and we talked about it at length. I know Mike and I had slightly different opinions about it based on how much of the content was locked to begin with. And I didn't mind so much and you did. And then after a while, there was some network glitch and everyone got compensated and I was able to buy the most amazing car as a result of that compensation. And once I raced with that amazing car, suddenly I was ruined. 
And then you I agreed started, with me, right? I yeah, and then I agreed <laughs> with you. Then it's like, oh, this is so good. I love this so much. Now I want all these other cars. I hope there's another network glitch so they <laughs> give me some compensation because I sure ain't gonna plump up all that money for in-app purchases. Right? And exactly, and yeah. it's not that I don't want to. I loved the game. It had the most dynamic and engaging control system of any driving game I've ever had. And I, I got to put that down to dual sense. obviously. I just felt so connected to the car. And it was wonderful. It's such a good game. Okay, It's such a good game that I changed my shed organization so that I could sit back on my fake Eames recliner. <laughs> I'm going to call it fake rather than replica now, because I know everyone who's ever listened to Remaster oh, has heard me bang on about it long re- enough. Reproduction, so the, replica, yeah. Repro, like that's, that's, whatever, yeah, I'll call yeah, it fake. That's, that's the word. Anyway, it's, it's a real deal because there's the same materials. Anyway, beautiful. I rearranged the whole shed, sat back in that chair. My goodness, I had some lovely mornings where instead of starting off with, oh, I've got to plan my day out, got to be super productive, got to have every slot in my calendar filled, it was, nah. Let's kick back and play some Gran Turismo. And those mornings were some of the happiest that I've had in a long time. And you know what? I'm going to do that again tomorrow because, frankly, <laughs> productivity can wait about an hour. I'm not quite sure which game it'll be. Maybe it'll be Gran Turismo for, for old time's sake. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Played it for ages and ages and ages, but could not really justify spending as much time as I would have liked to in order to get all the cars that I wanted to experience. I got some nice cars in my garage, did the early part of the ramp up, collected loads of vehicles, but there's only so many Fiat 500s and cars of that ilk that you really want to collect before you want to move on to the more interesting stuff. And finally, uh, God of War, of course, God of War Ragnarok. Of all the God of War games, obviously I haven't finished it. You wouldn't have expected me to finish it because... In fact, if I had finished it, I'm sure you and everybody else listening would be so surprised that they'd wonder if I was on the right show or if I was indeed the person I claimed to be. But I did play it a fair amount. I did love it loads. And it is an absolute technical marvel. It's very hard to believe that the game I'm playing had its origins in the PS2 days because it is so radically different and the production values are so striking. The storytelling is superb. The depth is unparalleled. I've only one minor criticism and you cannot blame Santa Monica Studios or PlayStation or any of the people involved in this magnificent tour de force for it. And that is, we are ever closer to the threshold of Uncanny Valley now. And I'm beginning to notice it more and more. So I'll be playing the game and I'll see some kind of ledge and I'll go, can I go up this? Can I not? And really in 2023, with a game that looks this amazing, I should not be asking this question. I should never be stopping to think that because there are so many affordances everywhere else in the game, right? Where you're you're given the agency, you know, press triangle, you can clamber over whatever the button is. I can't remember. It might be triangle, it might not someone will correct me and and that's fine. But whatever it is, I don't want to have to think whether an object is navigable or not, and then see my character not respond to my effort or do some kind of half jump. That's one tiny example. And it's not a criticism. 
it's an observation of how far we've come. That this game is so stunning, so real, has me so immersed, has me so um, so deep into suspension of disbelief. So deep that when it happens, it's all the more jarring. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? It's a subtle distinction. It's not that they went light on the mechanical and systemic complexity. They didn't. They went deeper than ever. They've done everything they possibly can. It's a technical marvel, a masterpiece of engineering, of art, of production values, of extracting the most out of what is obviously an incredibly powerful machine. But the more you do that, the more grating when you come up against those things that you're not supposed to come up against. But other than that, it's still on my list of games of the year, uh, and I will carry on playing it as as time allows. And to make up for the fact that I don't have more than three games of the year, I have played more than this, but many of them were on the Steam Deck, and I'd bought them years before on Steam, or some I'd bought had already been out for a while. What was that one that I kept going on about? Circuit Superstars, was it? That was really fun, but that's been out for a while, so that really doesn't count. Um, but other things, yeah, I suppose what I can talk about is the games I wished I'd played but didn't. <laughs> so in a parallel universe where Shahid is unemployed but has enough money to make rent and play games, I would have played Signalis, which is kind of like a, a 1990-style sort of 2D stroke isometric uh, sci-fi horror game. Uh, imagine... System Shock meets Resident Evil, that kind of thing. But it looked really cool. And it had that foreboding psychological horror atmosphere, the kind that I wish I was able to give my games. Definitely want to play that. Still will if I can. It's on my to-buy list. Uh, Horizon. Uh, what was it? Forbidden West? Forbidden West. I can never yeah. remember the subtitles yeah, of these yeah. things. Yeah. Definitely wanted to play that. But would you be at all surprised if I told you that I hadn't actually played the original Horizon either, and here I am wanting to play mm -hmm. the follow-up. Yeah, I was in the same situation. I tried to play the first game before the second one came out. I ended up watching a story recap on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. this, this is life, right? This I is did life. play a number of hours um, of Forbidden West. Me too, me too. I think the Horizon series just doesn't, click yeah. with me uh mm -hmm. it's too video gamey <laughs> well it's no it's too stealthy yeah that's also that yeah i tend to like stealth games until the stealth doesn't work anymore and in horizon i feel like it too frequently punishes me for when i can't do the stealth well um i'm sure that i will keep trying horizon games uh i also again like the actress who plays uh, Aloy, Ashley Birch, I love in so much stuff, but I don't, I cannot connect with the character of Aloy. Like, I think what frustrates me about the Aloy character, and I've heard this in other places, is they are so unwilling to take help from people, which mm -hmm. is particularly strange for me in a game where there's so many side characters that you so frequently have to hear some form of Aloy wanting to be a loner and it's like I don't understand why they choose to do both things that both that they design their character to want to be alone all the time but yet have this person interacting with people that constantly want to help her 
I find it very strange and it's not how I would choose for the game to unfold, which makes me feel a little bit detached from Aloy where I would maybe want a little bit more help because in the game, I would like a bit more help. <laughs> you know, Realistically, I would like a bit more help because I find some of the stuff challenging. So I don't know. I'll keep trying the cursed video game series that is Horizon. Cursed in the sense of every time there's a Horizon game, there's a game of the ever all time <laughs> that comes out like a week later. <laughs> Like uh, Elden Ring. <laughs> well, Elden Ring came out after, a week after uh, um, Forbidden West, and yeah. uh, Zelda came out, Breath of the Wild came mm-hmm. out a week after um, whatever the first one was called. Uh, Zero Dawn? Zero Dawn. So Zero Dawn. We can mm. expect that the best VR game ever is going to come out uh, some point soon when uh, Call of the Mountain or whatever it's called comes out. So. That's just how that keeps rolling around for the Horizon series. But I'll keep trying it because I like the idea of it. I think yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit maybe more excited about the Netflix series than I am about the video game. But there it is. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know about that. There mm-hmm. you go. Behind the times. Yep, they're developing it into a Netflix show. But it's it's like in a different time than oh, okay. Aloy. It's not gonna, I right. don't believe it's going to be the Aloy character. It's just going to be that world. Yeah, I'm... Uh, not massively inclined to watch uh what watch games uh, i don't do the federico thing of and maybe i should maybe i'd play more games that way because then i kind of okay i get it now i understand what this is about now i feel comfortable because who's kidding who here i'm never going to get around to playing the original games no it's not going to happen you barely play the sequels right right so i might we're as well all, just we all do this so. yeah I've gotten into the recap thing, by the way. Like this is yeah. this was yeah a Federico recommendation for mm. for for Horizon. He was like, just what? I was like, ah, because I wanted to try it. And he's like, just watch a recap. And I just watched a recap, and I was so pleased yeah. that I did because it is a <laughs> complex story. Yeah, but it's a good yeah. one. It's a good story. I like the yeah. idea of it just more than I actually like the video game. I would really enjoy the Horizon series if it didn't punish me so much. For for the for not being patient enough with stealth. Mm. Okay, so it's not going to work for me then, because I'd be like you. I don't think so. It's worth yeah, trying I, at some point. Uh, like, I mean, it's maybe some point PlayStation mm. will put it on sale or in PlayStation Plus or whatever. And I would, yeah. you know, it. I think is the best looking video game I've played this year. Mm. So that that that's a plus in its column. Yeah. Right, so very quickly, two more games I wish I'd played but didn't. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, no surprise to uh, to you two, and definitely no surprise to our listeners. Massive Call of Duty Modern Warfare fan. I liked the first Modern Warfare remaster, reboot, whatever it was. Loved it. actually played uh, about halfway through the campaign. have played some multiplayer. Not as good as I used to be. There was a time when I was very, very good at the original. Um, Neon White. I just saw so many reviews uh, and I saw so many videos of that. I thought, this looks like a cool mechanic. I've got to give this a go and never got round to it. Now, final category, the games are kind of played. In other words, I bought them, played them a little bit, but abandoned them. And I would not have abandoned them in the days when I had more time. And if it was my job to be more of a proper gamer, I'd probably play them more. Elden Ring, unsurprisingly. I tried. I really did try, guys, but 
I'm 57 now, and my eyes are developing <laughs> cataracts. <laughs> uh, I need three pairs of glasses, one for my Steam Deck and reading, one for my monitor and one for driving, and there's no pair of glasses in the world that will let me read the text of Elden Ring on a Steam Deck. <laughs> Have you tried True. putting all three of them on at once? Uh, no. You should try that. Maybe that yeah, will help. Maybe. You know? Maybe. The combination of distance and Steam Deck and reading, and you will get it. You know. But you know what's funny here, right? And you know, joking aside, I've got a decent PC. Yeah. But. I want to play on the Steam Deck. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Cyberpunk 2077 falls into that category. I did, of course, after you two both spoke about it glowingly, I did, of course, go back to it. But again, I suffered with the whole uh, text is too small to read, can't be bothered to sit down. Because as soon as I'm in the shed, right, all I want to do is work. This is a working environment. I need to find a way of setting aside pure gameplay time. But I don't. <laughs> the fact is, if I had the Steam Deck, I'll pick it up casually and I'll start playing and I find the text too too small to read. I want to play it because it was... You remember how much I was banging on about it? This is going to be the game I look forward to the most. And it comes out and then I start playing it and fine. And then on the Steam Deck, I can't read it. Mm. The third game I... Actually, no, what am I talking about? I didn't play. This should have gone in uh, the list of games that I wished I'd played but didn't because everyone was talking about it was Cult of the Lamb. Really want to play. We'll still play that. So I haven't played that at all. Okay. So, I mean, really briefly, what what these lists, because I've come up with some weird lists I know, uh, what do they say about me and how I've come to terms with it? I think we all know. The fact is, I'm not young anymore. I have a huge number of responsibilities. I've, I'm a family man. I have multiple gigs, multiple hats that I wear, multiple people I'm responsible for. And two, my priorities have shifted. I have to put a lot of time into looking after my health. And uh, that's not a part-time effort. I have to spend a lot of time looking after people, which is really important. And this happens to all of us. I'm, I'm, I'm not asking for sympathy because everybody who reaches my age... Some people who are younger, um, much younger, have even more to to cope with than I do. I'm I, so. Do I accept it? Yes. Am I okay with it now? Even though I'm in the industry and extremely accountable and responsible in the industry, yes, absolutely. Because I do me right to use a modern parlance, and I shouldn't be embarrassed that I can't play as much as I could when I was in my late teens, early 20s, or even my 30s. It's absolutely fine. Do I still enjoy games being played vicariously by my kids and by my friends and hearing stories from you two? Of course, I love it. It kind of makes me feel a bit more connected to that part of my life. And uh, long may that continue. That I'm still here and still playing at all. And when I say still here, I mean, you know, still alive <laughs> and still playing video games at my age and still passionate about them, even though I don't get to do it as much as I, I used to. Well, that's, that's amazing. That's enough for me. I, I can deal with that. Do you have a game of the year? Yeah, for me, it's got to be Vampire Survivors. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm really surprised to say that. 
All right, let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor of this episode, and that is Chapter Select. Chapter Select is a seasonal podcast with Max Roberts and Logan Moore pick a series of video games or movies to explore their evolution, design, and legacy. Each season of Chapter Select focuses on a different franchise, with guests joining along the way to discuss the media outside of the individual titles. Chapter Select Season 5 starts this month and will center around the Resident Evil series, which I'm sure uh, is a game series that many people listening to this show hold dear. Logan, the Resident Evil veteran, will finally be bringing Max under the RE umbrella. They'll be playing a mix of the old games, the remakes, and the latest in the series. With Resident Evil 4 Remake on the horizon, there is no better time to play through the iconic franchise and be led on this path by Chapter Select. Chapter Select already has an extensive backlog of evergreen episodes. Previous seasons are focused on The Last of Us, which again, great time, Paper Mario, God of War, including Ragnarok, Banjo-Kazooie, and the Fast and Furious movies. I always uh, see um, the the host of Chapter Select, they will post some of these, uh, in like Max will post them in our Discord sometimes. And I always really appreciate the work that they do with their artwork. Like uh, It just looks really good. It really fits in with the style of each of the series that they're talking about at any one time. Head to chapterselect.com to check out the show and subscribe. Chapter Select has huge plans for 2023 with work on Season 6 already underway. They'd love it if you joined them throughout this year at chapterselect.com our thanks to Chapter Select for their support of this show and Relay FM okay so my list uh, mm. I'm not going to do this in any particular order I'm just going to talk through them and then I'll you know like you guys did do my kind of what I think my favorite game of this year was uh, I'll start off with Cult of the Lamb I love this game uh, it yeah. was like the perfect game for me on the Steam Deck really like a combination town builder and roguelike you know we spoke about it on the show at the time i think that this was a it looked like something i would enjoy i did not expect to enjoy it as much as i did uh i thought it was a real very weird but very fun game it had a very like for its dark tones had a very light tone i don't know how they really were able to walk the line that they did uh, but the visuals and the sound design helped a ton. Uh, I really enjoyed this game a lot. It was a smashing success, which is awesome. And I believe that they are working on future content updates for the game, which I am really excited about. And this game did something for me that I always love is... Uh, it was a game that my wife saw me playing and she wanted to play it and she then got it and got obsessed with it and we would play together, but like separately. You know, I'd be playing on my Steam Deck, she'd be playing on her Switch... And the two of us just had a great time playing that game. I love it when I can find those those kinds of games, especially when they're not like the obvious ones, like Stardew. Yeah, but like weird cult roguelike game. Did not think that my wife would enjoy it or be able to do it, and she smashed it. So yeah. it was great. Uh, Marvel Snap, probably the biggest impact game of the year, I think, across the industry in the sense of like, what mm-hmm. people thought the game might be and how it took over games for a bit. Um, you know, like something like Elden Ring, God of War, it, it delivered on what was expected of it, I think. You know, and like everyone thinks this game is going to be incredible and everybody thinks this game is incredible. But Marvel Snap is a card-like get free-to-play game. It's like, oh, come on, what is this going to be? Like, but no, it was fantastic. Um, I've fallen off a little bit with Marvel Snap, Um 
I now just maybe will play it a few times a week, which is a shame. They kind of uh, they laid on some of the additional in-app purchase stuff a bit thick, which is a shame because the game still doesn't need it, but it's getting a bit like, hey, do you want to just buy a bunch of credits? Um, and mm. so, but you know, I, I think that also the last couple of battle pass seasons I haven't really been super interested in I think with the right mix of characters and maybe a little time away I will get back into it again because just the mechanics of Marvel Snap are superb it is a fantastic game you don't need me to tell you about it anymore Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus I'll echo what Federico said like I loved that game I forgot it came out this year Uh, because it was really early in the year and it's also weird to get two Pokemon games in a year Um, it was just a very interesting take on the series. I hope they continue to make games like this. Um, I loved some of the visual design around like the way that the Pokédex worked. Uh, it, there were some mechanics in Arceus that I thought were a shame that were not brought over to Scarlet and Violet, like the ways that you could complete the Pokédex entries without having to actually catch the Pokémon. I thought it was like a really interesting thing that you could do. Um, and I also really liked the... You know, being able to throw balls at Pokemon without fighting them, I also thought was just something that I valued. Again, it was a shame that they didn't bring to Violet uh, and Scarlet. I'll talk about that now. Pokemon Violet uh, is the game that I played. I had a very strange relationship with Pokemon Violet. So I was very excited about this game, right? Like I'm excited about all Pokemon games. Then the game came out, and before I'd even gotten to play it, because I was actually moving house at the time was you know there was so much about like the game's performance being bad and i was really down on it like before i'd really i was like oh pokemon company you've done it again like i was so excited and it just looked so bad then uh i didn't really touch it i went on vacation came back from vacation vacation started the game pokemon violet is great like it is a great video game it has some weirdness to it. Like, I didn't have game-breaking bugs. I didn't have any super weird glitches. All I had at most was just, like, frame rate issues with, you know, people in the background and stuff. Um, if it wouldn't have had this, for me, it would have been an easy game of the year. Easy would have been my game of the year. But, like, it still wasn't perfect. And you could tell that in the performance. My main letdown with uh, Violet and Scarlet Violet, yeah, was the the towns. Just absolutely barren wastelands, every yeah. single one of them. There yeah, is nothing true. going on. And like Pokemon used to be all about the towns. And the towns have there's just nothing going on in them They're anymore. Just sad. <laughs> just mostly empty. <laughs> that none of the story exists in the towns. Like you don't go into buildings and try and find things. Like it was, you know, they really did an I think a great job with the what would have been called wild areas, but now just the root areas, like the, the you know mm-hmm. going between from place to place. There's so much going on in them, and you know there's like weird Pokemon things happening. Sometimes you know, like stuff like you can catch third stage evolutions just like randomly. Like it's like that kind of thing feels more like that world would feel. Um, than how some of the older games have felt. But like I really want to see them do something with the towns because. The bones of this game, the open world nature on it, the fact that I was getting like legitimately lost, right? Like it didn't yeah. know where to go, right? Which is just like yeah. a good feeling. 
for this game where I'd have to kind of like, yeah, but I'll go in there. Oh God, these are like level 60 Pokemon. I have a level 15, right? Like it had a, a, a different feeling and the fact that I could go around and also no spoilers, especially for you, Federica. I can't believe how good the story is. Story yeah, legitimate. I've seen a bunch of people say that. It's there are t- there are three story parts in the game, right? Each of them have legitimate, great emotional payoff. The story is so good that it is now past the level of acceptable that they do not have voice acting in these games. Because like, if this is how good the stories can be now, there should be voice acting. Especially because this game, it dips a toe in and that there are like cutscenes, like actual cutscenes in this game, especially towards the end game stuff. Like, and, you know, because there is a moment where like, oh, this looks amazing. Oh, it's a cutscene, right? And they're slightly in engine, you know, that like you can see like this is what it could do. Um, they, you know, as they kind of tell some of the story stuff, there needs to be some, some. Um, I, I want to see voice acting. I really like this game a lot. Federico, I cannot wait for you to finish it because I want to talk to you about the story. So okay. please right. finish it. Okay. Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, we're all spoken about this. Technically not a 2022 game, but got no. a big update <laughs> in 2022 and it's the time that we all played it. Um, my kind of like rounding out, it's like I really enjoyed 2077. Uh, I basically just played the mainline story. Like that was just how I went through. And I, by the end of it, really liked it. It has such a weird end. Like, but like in a good way. It had like a weird ending. I don't know if there's multiple endings to this game. I think there probably is. Um, but it is a very strange ending, but like a strange ending that I kind of appreciated. Uh, I'll put Vampire Survivors on the list. I really like this game. I'm not like as hot on it as the two of you. I played a bunch of it when I got my Steam Deck. Uh, I can see how good of a game it is, but it was a game that I feel like I played for a period of time and then didn't, but could very much imagine picking up more. By the way, outside of uh, Pokemon... All of these games that I'm talking about on Marvel Snap, all on my Steam Deck this year. Mm. Uh, the last one I'm going to sneak in, Disney Dreamlight Valley. Now, if I told you Gameloft made a Disney game, you'd be like, oh, God, <laughs> right? What's is happening? Is it a good game? Yeah, it's good. W- wow, okay. It is. Imagine you took a bit of Animal Crossing and a bit of Stardew Valley and sprinkled Disney all over the top. That is Disney Dreamlight Valley. It's the game I'm playing a lot right now. Again, it's one that I encourage my wife to pick up because she loves Stardew and loves Animal Crossing, so we're playing this game together, but separate, you know? And it's just like, it is a, what I'd say is, it's like Stardew Valley, but with more variety. It's I think it's closer to Stardew than it is Animal Crossing. There's way more to do in the game than Stardew and Animal Crossing. Like, you can just pick it up and like you can a lot of it is just like fetch quests, go find things, mine resources and but like there's loads and loads and loads of um quests. You can just keep doing quests. Let alone all of the cosmetic stuff and it's Disney characters and you know, so it's like characters you know from Pixar movies and Disney movies, you know, animated new and old. It's really fun. Like I I'm enjoying it. Like it's scratching that itch for me of like the town game right Mm. um and is doing it in a way that i actually and kind of dig in so now the games that i've played from all of those cult of the lamb would be my game of the year 
Wow. Mm. Which isn't helping anyone, I know. Uh, but, you know, and I said Pokemon without the performance issues. All it needed to do was run at a consistent frame rate and Pokemon would have been my game of the year. I just feel like in the state that they shipped that game in, mm-hmm. I cannot do it, which is so annoying because it is probably the best Pokemon game. But like, I feel like I can't give it my game of the year because the the issues are inexcusable. <laughs> like, and not even in a wave of like Sword and Shield. Like, I remember with Sword and Shield and like even Arceus, there were like graphical issues where the game just didn't look good, but it still ran, right? It ran okay. This game, yeah. like, people. Oh, it runs bad. <laughs> like, the, bad. <laughs> the characters in the background look like they're in a flip book. Like, it's unbelievable yeah. that they shipped this game like this. Um, but it's awesome. But yeah, Cult of the Lamb is the game that gave me, I think, the most sustained level of fun this year where it was a game where all I, when I was playing Cult of the Lamb, mm-hmm. all I wanted to do was play Cult of the Lamb. Like during the time I was playing that game, it was all I wanted to do. And I went all the way through to the end and finished it. One on, like completed the game and loved every second of it. In the style of Shayid, I have a list of games I wish I would have played but didn't. Uh, I'll say to have gotten good at Elden Ring. I never went back to Elden Ring. I'm never going to go back to Elden Ring. It's just not for me. I appreciate it. I like watching people play it. You know, like I watch streams and I I just can't do it. God of War Ragnarok. I have not yet set up my PlayStation. (laughs) Like My PlayStation has remained in a box. I will get to it because I want to play that game. Similarly to Shea, Neon White. Neon White is a game I own and will play at some point. It just looks really cool. Mm. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Lands. This might be the next game I play when I'm done with Dreamlight Valley. I've heard really good things about it. Everyone that has played Kirby and the Forgotten Lands can't stop telling you how good this game is. Right. So I want to try it because, again... I like to find video games for my wife to play. Like she has had such a like this year she's played Breath of the Wild and got all the way to Ganon's Castle, but just hasn't wanted to complete it. She completed Mario Odyssey, Cult of the Lamb. So like I'm just like feeding her video games. I'm like, why don't you try this style of game? <laughs> hey, try like, this. <laughs> so like I've also I wanted her to play the Mario and Rabbids game as well. because uh, I, I think that I didn't play the new one, but that's the one that I wanted to track, so she might mm-hmm. like it. But I'm just like just giving her games. I, I do feel like going from Zelda to Mario is like, oh man, like you, this is too good. I'm giving you it's, it's like you just get in like prime rib after prime rib, but she she's done fine. But uh, and also immortality. Uh, yeah, game it's the Sam Barlow yeah. game. Loved yeah. her story, and I've, again, immortality is another game that people that have played immortality yep. also all want to tell you how good it is. They all want to tell you how good the story is, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and yeah. like the shocking twist. Yeah, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, the games. Okay. So we okay. So. I have a, uh, I have two things I want to put to the table here. I think it would be very easy for us to say Vampire Survivors, right? Yeah. But I want to make a pitch for the Steam Deck <laughs> as our game of the year. I would totally be on board with that. 
100%. Absolutely. The game of the year is the thing that lets you play the game. Exactly. And I've never played so many without it. Exactly. Compare our 2022 years to our 2021 list. Our 2021 list, Pokemon 1 by default, is the only game me and Federico played. (laughs) And Shahid brought no games. No, probably not. This list this year is this big for all of us because of the Steam Deck. Because what it does is it allows top-tier video games to be played instantly and casually. It's amazing. The the thing I was going to say is, although I have two PS5 games on my list, what I couldn't get in was the fact that there were about 50, 60 games I actually bought this year Mm. on the Steam Deck. That's a lot even by my standards. More than 50 games I bought specifically mm. to play and try out on the Steam Deck. They didn't meet, they didn't make the list because I didn't spend more than an hour. Either mm-hmm. I didn't spend more than an hour playing them, I still had fun, or they came out earlier than 2022. But yeah, without the Steam Deck, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am totally on board with this. I love the idea. <laughs> the 2022 game of the year for remaster is. The Steam Deck. The Steam Deck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>